Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. We are here to shift the paradigm of business and marketing and social media in this digital age of infinite possibility and bridge our inner technology, our intuition with outer technology through rituals, personal development tools, conscious business practices, spiritual tools, and the magical tool of social media. I am your host, Xenia, storyteller, conscious social media teacher, speaker, and a multidimensional traveler. Welcome to the new paradigm. Welcome back to Woken Wired. I am your host, Xenia, and my guest today is Shanika Hillux. Shanika is a food and beverage multi-hyphenate, redefining what it means to be a luminary in this space. By day, she leads influencer marketing strategy at the largest winery in the country. Her F&B home lifestyle and travel writing can be found in outlets including Domino, Condé Nast Traveler, Healthy-ish, and Wine Enthusiast. Most recently, Shanika has taken her love of storytelling to the podcast space as the season two host of Pineapple Radio. Before we dive into the podcast conversation, I want to share with you something really fascinating. I love to geek out on traffic and SEO and interesting and strategic ways of driving traffic to information that I'm passionate about sharing like for example, cacao ceremony or my podcast. And when I go into the back end of one of my websites, Breakfast Criminals, and I look at the top traffic sources, number one is search engines. And number two, you will be shocked when you find out. It's not Instagram. It's not TikTok, the two platforms where I have the most followers. It's not Facebook. It's not YouTube. It's Pinterest. Pinterest is a social media network that also acts as one of the most powerful search engines that has the potential to drive traffic to you and your services to make you more discoverable and to help you establish yourself as an authority in certain topics. And that's why I am just so excited and grateful to share with you that this episode is brought by Tailwind. Tailwind is a Pinterest scheduling tool that helps you grow your business without spending all day on social media because ultimately our goal here is to get smart about your social media strategy and then get off of it. And Tailwind is a more recent discovery for me. I've been hearing about it for a while. And the way that it offers smart automation, it selects the time for you. You can even schedule your pins to go out in on a loop meaning that you schedule it once and it keeps being repinned at the frequency that you choose. One of the smartest investments of your time as a digital entrepreneur is to grow traffic to your own site. And Tailwind is a fantastic way to drive that traffic in an organic way. Learn all about it on tailwindapp.com slash woke and wired. And Tailwind is offering a special deal to my listeners. If you haven't tried it yet, go to tailwindapp.com slash wired to get $30 off your plus plan. It is so worth it. On to the interview. Here's Shanika Hillux.
Shanika Halax. We have such an interesting story of how we met. It was on a work retreat, shall I say, yeah. where you and I both, I think you were one of the curators of experience at Lundy yes. Farm in upstate New York in the Hudson Valley. And it was this weekend filled with just so much coziness, delicious farm to table food, nature, photography. And that's where I met you. That is, that seems like many moons ago. And it's interesting that that is the way in which we did meet, because I think it also lends well to the philosophy that we're going to talk about, just to kind of ride that wave. I think at that time in my life, as someone who was a marketer, but also enjoyed food and wanted to kind of find this balance, I personally had been going through this transition in which I understood hospitality, being in New York as like a junior publicist working in wine and spirits and restaurants, things were quite indulgent and, and very much so in the backdrop of like city life. And personally, I had taken kind of a step back from that, just really being conscious of my well-being and how, you know, those late nights and, and the early mornings were contributing to my overall like mind, body, and soul. And so interestingly enough, when I kind of put that out into the universe as something I desired to balance a little bit more, people started coming to my life. One of them being Sarah, who was a co-creator of that experience as well. And so having this opportunity to leave the city, be out in nature, but still eat well, but also restore was, was something that was really awesome to see come actualized kind of in the, I guess, 360 background of, of how that came to be. So I think that's a nice segue into who you are and what you do. You're such a multi-hyphenate entrepreneur, creative curator. So what we're going to do is if anyone wants to see Shanika's full story, you can head to wokenwire.com to see the show notes and the bio and also your website, shanikahillux.com, right? But for now, we're going to dive into your Instagram bio. And I'm going to read that out loud. You recently got verified. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And you're going to tell us what it is that you actually do on a day-to-day -day basis and what's making you feel the most excited as of now. Perfect. So Shanika Hillux, digital creator, NYC, influencer marketing, life at Gallo. Is that how they pronounce it? Yeah. So that's just the Instagram, but it's really my employer, which we'll speak about in a little bit is Gallo. Yes. Gallo. I thought maybe it's like an Italian thing. Gallo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just making sure. Yeah. Host of Pineapple Collaborative Radio, profiling F&B travel and lifestyle. Visit my website, shanikahelix.com. So what in the world does Shanika do? Yes. I find that in some ways it's easier to answer this question as I kind of grow, but then it oftentimes gets a little bit difficult because I definitely have come from the school of thought that like you identify with one role in your life and then you kind of move up a corporate ladder, you know, just from my upbringing. But I think coming to New York really allowed me to one, be exposed to so many other opportunities and also be surrounded by creatives who then inspired me to create my own path. And so if you want to get technical, <laughs> I do have a nine to five. <laughs> Thankfully so. I am doing influencer marketing strategy at one of the world's largest wineries, which is E&J Gallo. For listeners, 
some of the brands that you might recognize often are in, you know, local grocery stores, but working with brands like Barefoot Wine, Apothic, La Marca Prosecco, some of those household wine names, um, Carlo Rossi, you know, I'm back in college when we used to have those jugs of, of wine there. So the, uh, the company is definitely a legacy company, but I recently joined the team as they really just did a whole transition into their marketing practice. And I'm really honored to be on the consumer and lifestyle marketing team at that place of work, really just establishing what it means to do influencer marketing as a business of that size, a business that has this legacy, and also really just punctuating, I think, the definition of what I think the, the normal everyday person sees as influencer marketing. So that's, that's step one. I also do consider myself a food and beverage multi-hyphenate. I started out, as I had mentioned earlier, in public relations in the beverage alcohol sector. So it's kind of a nice full circle to what I'm doing now. But in tandem, you know, falling in love with wine and spirits also allowed me to explore the food experiences of the city. And as a result, I started writing, I did want to really cover and profile the food world. And at the time that I did start it, there weren't a lot of stories that really highlighted multicultural luminaries, black and brown bodies and and individuals who were really moving the needle at the time. And that's really what was my biggest inspiration at that point. And so I was, you know, really leaned into that. And then that evolved into then touching travel. So it was a nice package of being able to write, and then also, of course, staying within the wine and spirit space. And now, you know, I am the host of Pineapple Radio. Pineapple Collaborative is an awesome group that really highlights and really encourages the food world, but particularly women-owned, women-made products, initiatives, chefs, luminaries, and they've grown in a really awesome community. And so organically, I was presented the opportunity to, to host that season two. It's a it's almost like a mini season, but I'm trying my hand at it. So that storytelling aspect has been nice too. So overall, I think, you know, the through line there is definitely food and beverage, but being able to kind of touch on all my skills as well as interests. So I'm, I'm really blessed to be able to kind of do all of those things. All right. Well, my first technical question is what fuels you and gives you the energy and the clarity to do all these things? Definitely. To be totally honest, the pandemic really has been a silver lining for me. The stillness in this space has allowed my intentions to be even more laser focused. One of the biggest things that I tell close friends or people who have the same question is really reclaiming my mornings. I really enjoy taking as much time as I need to ensure that I move my body intentionally. And that comes in the form of workouts. Sometimes it's just stretching. What was it this morning? This morning, it was just sitting on a mat and taking in a few affirmations and grounding myself, I think, for this conversation. So that was, I don't want to get married to like, oh, I have to do yoga every single morning. I just do really what speaks to me intuitively. It's a little bit gloomy here too in New York. And so there's this nice beauty kind of outside of my window and kind of taking that into as part of that. And then I nourish myself. Like I make sure that I hydrate. I take my supplements. I make a juice. I have like a protein enriched diet, just things in which I know are going to set me up for the day. And then I take in a little bit of reading, like working in the digital space 
it's a lot always on my phone, on the computer, <laughs> on, on Zoom and face-to-face, quote unquote, <laughs> in this format. And so being able to right now, I know I'm revisiting a, a classic, but I am reading The Alchemist in tandem with All About Love by Bell Hooks. So like two forms of reading that are really nourishing my mind right now. So reclaiming my mornings and not allowing the urge, I think that sometimes in my past life <laughs> before the pandemic would be often fueled by like the emails, the to-do lists. So that is, that is how I have garnered the energy to, to maintain those passions. I love what you said about not being married to a specific form of movement or nourishment in the morning. I'm the same way. And I think this intuitive approach to, okay, where am I at when you wake up? And like immediately checking in and what do I need? It could be movement. It could be a walk outside. It could be a hearty breakfast, whatever that is. And in my experience, that approach spills over to every area of my life, including business. So I'm curious, in your experience, does it spill over into your business? I have to take a moment to answer this because, you know, I think on my independent creative projects and things, I have a little bit more autonomy in that way. At the end of the day, I am working a nine to five and there's people that are a part of my team that rely on me to, you know, make deadlines and, and create timelines and work backs. But I will say that this morning routine has allowed me to continue to feel more empowered and self-advocate for myself in a way that I don't think I had before. You know, I used to almost not really touch my work calendar too much. And I would populate things that I had to do in my personal. And now I am being pretty adamant and clear about blocking off 10 to 11 today because I have this and I don't need any details, but appointment, <laughs> politely declining something after 6 p.m. So that way I can have a just as a strong evening as I had in the morning. So being communicative and not really steering away from those obligations that I make to myself, those small promises that I make to myself has been helpful. And, and I feel that the power of my mornings definitely helps in that way. How do you come up with your affirmations? Do you follow any system or structure? I look holistically at the areas of my life and go from there. So for example, wellness, you can touch on that physically, mentally, and spiritually, but uh, those are areas in which I really aspire to be fulfilled and, and feel well in whatever way that means to me. And so I'll touch on that abundance. And I'm not just talking about finances. It can be abundance opportunities in terms of being able to create in the way that I do. Having people who are also aligned and in good intention in that way. So when I look at those kind of like overarching areas of my life, I then create affirmations that kind of fill those categories, if that makes sense. Totally, totally. And I'm going to ask you a big question now. Okay. And my invitation is for you to just give whatever comes to your awareness and trust that that's the right thing for the listeners. Sure. And then we're going to take it into two different places. So the first one, I'm just like prepping as I'm getting very excited myself. I'm getting everyone else excited. So the first area will be how did you end up where you are? You know, just tell us a little bit about where you come from and we'll get there in a second. And then also 
you are a luminary and a pioneer in this space. And the things that I've seen you share, your take on influencer marketing, on social media, on digital business is very refreshing and different from what you would normally see. It's a lot more expansive, inclusive, and creative from what I've seen. So I think one will explain the other one. But before we get there, my question to you is, Shanika, if you were to attribute where you've gotten to today to one thing, what would it be? It could be a state of mind or a practice or an inspiration or a book. Sure. I will say, I'm going to say intention, but I'm not going to say intention just for myself. I come from a family who, you know, regardless of where in like your faith is, I think there's a common through line often of, you know, expressing wellness, goodness, greatness for an individual. And I would be remiss not to speak to the individuals in my life who have brought me here. It is nothing without them. So whether that's family, mentors, or people who gave me an opportunity because they saw something and then being intentional about seeing that thing through is definitely one of the driving forces, if not the driving force to, to how I am and where I am today. <laughs> so you kind of pointed to your family and your ancestors and where you come from. So where do you come from? And at what point in your life did you, do you think you chose the path you're on? Were you into writing? Were you into photography? How did that storytelling aspect sort of choose you? Sure. Wow. This is such a grand question, but I'm going to try and take it one bite at a time. Backstory. I was born in Long Island. Everyone's always so surprised when they hear that, but I didn't spend much, many years out in uh, Long Island and in New York. So I often claim, and people are most familiar with my Florida upbringing. So Florida raised by grandparents who are West Indian. So I think when you say that, there's instantly this thought of like, okay, it's maybe a little bit more strict, definitely an older school mentality. So super humble, but with ethics in terms of values that are seen as a priority, inclusive of education. <laughs> that was a big thing. Really just looking out for one another, being financially secure, taking care of family, things that I often find are pretty common within household. But when you layer, I think having parents or people who raise you who are from other countries, it, there's just a, another level up there. So I am the oldest sibling. I have a younger sister who's three years uh, younger than me. And I've always kind of taken on this role of caretaker in some ways, I think based on birth order. And I just remember as a young child, like really leaning into storybooks and reading and writing at like a very young age, I did have the privilege of grandparents who were also retired. So I had presence around me often helping kind of instill ritual. I remember, you know, even in terms of how I approach my mornings or the way I take care of myself, like my grandma in the morning, I would wake up and like my toothbrush would be set. I'd have like a little cup of mouthwash. And then in the kitchen, you know, there's like a warm beverage plus my juice, plus my vitamins, like just things that in some ways, some people could say it's like systematic, but in others, it just established to me what I now see as ritual. But all of that to say, I definitely, of all the subjects in school, writing and words were the biggest 
interests of mine. And I did end up, you know, excelling very well in like English class, even Spanish and linguistics. Like I really enjoy language. And so that evolved into me majoring in English in school, uh, college. And at that time, I thought I wanted to be an attorney. <laughs> Uh, and interestingly enough, though, the, the law that I wanted to practice, intellectual property law, is literally about the creation of people's assets. I, I was most intrigued with music at the time, but it's interesting now to see that I'm an influencer marketing and there is like, the, yeah, like what's exclusivity and usage and IP and all of those things. So it's it's kind of nice to have that without having to go through like the years of acquiring a JD. So <laughs> that's totally. a yeah, that's a kind of funny touch point. But um, all that to say, storytelling was like a core part of, of what I enjoyed in, in not only consumption, but also the action of doing so. So really, I could see how that kind of now is a core element of what I do what I do, although it's not just pen and paper these days, but I would say that's part one. Would you mind reiterating the question just one more time. I just want to make sure that I'm hitting on all the points. Let me remember it myself. <laughs> the question was, you know, where do you come from and how did where you come from influence where you are today? Totally. As well as how, where the seeds for the creative and professional path you're on now were planted. Totally. Yeah. And so I think I answered kind of the technical question in terms of how work. Okay. So that's part one. I think part two, too, although I had mentioned that, you know, getting a good education and job security was a big portion of my upbringing, a transition certainly happened in my life. As I mentioned, my grandparents raised me. And so my grandpa, I was 15 in high school, passed away. He's just a, a trifecta of illnesses and, you know, his time came. And then I got to observe and watch my grandma really take on the role of, of head of household. I think something that was definitely uh, just uncommon for, for the time in which she grew up and also having had this life partner for several years who assumed that responsibility. But in that, and you know, that growth and, and that adjustment came with some discomforts, but I was able to also see how she chose to then continue to raise my sister and I. And uh, in that evolution, my grandma really encouraged me to just do all that I desired to do, not go ahead and finish school and then go become an attorney and, and get married and then have kids and that's it. I think oftentimes the people that we love especially become mirrors of yourself. And I was able to just watch now this woman who had had a very full life, very much so taking on almost a second parenting role now with this and, and being able to watch her encourage me, I think was the way in which she was able to maybe see some of the things or dreams that she had put on the back burner or halted altogether now through me. And so having that constant encouragement and without judgment. I mean, obviously the curiosity at times, but without this huge pang of judgment definitely has helped me to feel that I always can say yes, even if I'm not hundred percent certain on how to host a podcast <laughs> or how to take a photo in the perfect light. I have the, there's very little fear when it comes to opportunities crossing my desk. 
Wow, that's huge. It's this idea of, I mean, in, in simpler words, you would say following your joy, following your curiosities, following what lights you up, and being open to failing. I think ultimately that's what entrepreneurship is about. And it's so beautiful when that can come from early years, because then you don't have to unlearn and find that way from zero. For sure. And I will say, you know, it's this weird like tug and push because I I often, you know, my head and my ego definitely get involved and it's easy to compare or it's easy to say, well, wow, I wish, or I wonder what this would have even looked like if I even made that path right now or all of that. But it is a constant redirection of myself. It's a quelling of a lot of those, I think, more traditional thoughts that in my very early beginnings were established. You know, that was the way in which I was meant to, or at least taught to go, because that was a value to those who were raising me at the time. So it does not come without struggles. So I definitely want to like echo that. But yes, it does feel really awesome to be able to lean into joy unadulterated and, and learn along the way. I mean, you are a human still, you know, there's, there's light and dark and everything, of course. So at what point did you get on social media and at what point that grew beyond personal? Yeah. So my first foray into social media, like several that are in my age bracket, definitely my space. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so, you know, but my space was such a fun thing in the sense of, at that time, I was like doing very basic HTML in the back end and like adding music to my page. What was your song? Oh my gosh, what was my song? Maybe like Cisco. Like I'm like, uh, oh my gosh, flashbacks. Like flashbacks. Like uh, maybe TLC. I'm just trying to think of all of the. Music Mine was T Pain. <laughs> there you go. In rotation, you know, I had to keep it uh, keep it spicy. So week over week, I probably had a new song. But in any case, there definitely wasn't any pressure. It was just kind of like everyone was on it. It was for the pleasure and fun of me signing on and, and changing the song that I actually enjoyed at the moment. Or, you know, my top five of my really core top five in real life friends in high school. So, of course, you're going to get, you know, that spot on my page. So that was um, the first foray. But when things got a little bit more serious, I would say directly out of college, I had an internship at an ad agency, but I was on the PR team. And one of the clients, it was Florida Virtual School, so like online classes, wanted to start integrating Twitter into their communication strategy and their plan. And so at that time, it was 140 characters or less. And basically, we would just align the brand messaging into various tweets. And I was tasked with composing, it was almost like a Twitter calendar of sorts, a number of tweets. And I just remember like, wow, this is like short, concise, it's still getting the message across. And like, it's all at your fingertips. And that is when I really started, I think, looking at things a little bit more strategically at that point. Now, when did you get on Instagram? And... At what point did influencer marketing enter your universe? Yeah, I'm like literally trying to scroll. <laughs> I definitely remember it being in college. And I want to say it was my senior year because 
I do remember like my senior year, I had a, an apartment off campus. So I had, you know, a little bit more of my own personal decor. And I remember taking maybe like an image of my side table or something like that. So it was definitely my senior year of college. But again, I would post once a week. I use those very hypersaturated Instagram filters. And then to answer your question about influencer marketing, I would say, you know, several years had passed and it wasn't until I moved to New York and was pretty junior in my uh, career, but understood that, you know, people also carried this weight, like third party affirmation of, of one message or another, or one product or another, or one experience over another carried some weight. And that recognition didn't really happen immediately through Instagram, though. It was actually through, you know, blogger events, like people who had blogs who could then recap in a different way than a media outlet could would carry some influence there. So that was my first introduction professionally. And then when Instagram came on the scene, I actually noticed there was a void on the business side of things at the agency I was at the time. Essentially, the media was really changing. People, more and more freelancers, large media pubs, closing sections, moving exclusively to digital. And as a result, as a publicist at the time, you have less opportunity to garner now those really awesome feature stories that your clients are hoping to get within a calendar year. And what I did start to notice though, was like, you know, if we could take these Instagram posts that feature our product as like the hero and also allow our social media team to refurbish them that amazing image that this person is taking, then this could maybe substitute some of those hits in our reports that we're not getting. And so that's when it really made sense. And I was really adamant about leaning into that. And as a result, I just asked an actual influencer friend at the time, like, you know, can I shadow you? Because I just want to understand, like, I'm seeing one thing on, on the phone here, but I want to really get inside what that looks like, because I know it's not just as simple as maybe what I'm assuming. Was it more complicated? In some ways, lots of coordination. It's just like, all right, we need to contact this restaurant, hotel, bar, Here's the equipment that I'm using. And this was before iPhone got really easy, technologically advanced. And even a kind of understanding though, that the creator still had this very large freedom. You know, there wasn't this like, here's your deliverables and your shot list and things like this. So it was also just awesome to really drink up that natural eye that a person had or the amazing aesthetic that was organic and not necessarily curated. So it was a nice sweet spot to, I think, what we all probably were excited about when we saw influencer marketing come to the scene. It's like we just traveled back in time. You know, I got into blogging back when I was 15, 16, and I started seriously Instagramming. It's a funny thing to say probably in like 2011. Mm-hmm. And in 2012-13, I was started making money from it. And remember when I hit 10k, I didn't know anyone else in real life who had 10k followers. It was such a big deal. It was back before like there were people who had millions of followers. Yeah. It was still in the very in- much infancy stages. There were no 
influencer platforms that connected brands and influencers, content creator was not really a thing. Yep. And back then, if you want to consider yourself a blogger, you have to have a blog. Just Instagram is not enough and not serious enough. So it's come such a long way since. And as someone who has been in it from pretty much the beginning of when the monetization started happening and brands started recognizing content cre- independent content creators as an important piece of their own storytelling and marketing efforts. I've seen it change so much. And what has broken my heart in the past couple of years or so is with automation, it makes things a lot easier for the brands. And at the same time, I feel like the human gets lost somewhere in between when it all becomes very automated and sort of, if, you know, just get us 10 influencers that fit this criteria. And when I started, it was so personal. Like I would go on trips to, there was this acai brand that I worked with, Tambor Acai. And I went to Brazil with them to see how acai grows, to meet the farmers, to climb the acai tree. And kind of that personal touch and that storytelling of going to the root, especially as a journalist, to me is what meant so much. And I also don't want to say like, oh, this was good and this was bad. Not at all. I think it's just very different. And the positive side of it is that this way of making a living and expressing yourself becomes available to a lot more people. So it's becoming more democratized. So how have you seen influencer marketing change? And where do you see it going? Where do you think we as a collective perhaps are missing the mark or what should like our what should our vision, I don't even want to use the word should, but what do you think is a good vision to strive for to keep this business in integrity and profitable and abundant in every way for all all parties? Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly enough, this is the very foundational work that I am putting together with my team right now, because it is still in a lot of ways, I do feel like influencer marketing is still an infant practice. Like when I think about Twitter and even paid advertisement on social media and, you know, that form of monetization, influencer marketing is still quite a baby. (laughs) So lots of changes all the time, fast and, and quick. To your point about reminiscing about the kind of glory days of influencer marketing, I will say I am feeling that there has been this trajectory to your point about the automation, but this cultural shift that has happened to us this year has definitely pumped the brakes on so much of that and allowed brands to one, I think recognize the value. At one point, I did believe that there were so many rinse and repeat approaches to the influencer as well as influencers to brands in the pitches that I would receive, almost the like lackadaisical nature and very like entitled approach that wasn't very pleasant to receive. For sure. For sure. I I can totally imagine. But we've all been asked to press pause or forced to in some ways. And I think when, you know, from the brand side, you see that, hey, this influencer content creator is not just someone who is a soundboard for my messaging, but someone who can really inspire, you know, the goal should never be to make a sale, in my opinion. 
and it should also never be to make people feel so far off. Like I understand aspiration, but then it comes to a point where it's like, well, maybe this is making me now feel bad about the way I'm living my life, but it should always be to inspire. And I think brands are now really starting to recognize too when their backs were up against a wall because of pandemic, because of racial reckoning, because of life that is occurring with or without this <laughs> business, that we had to look at ourselves as humans again, because collectively we do need that humanity. This is such an anthropology, I feel like, approach to this, but Technology is certainly changing the way in which we live, do work. And I'm always of the mindset to be in it, but not like totally of it, if that makes sense. A double tap on a heart is never going to replace the beating of my heart when I see someone I'm excited to see. You know, a swipe up to this latest (laughs) product is never going to substitute the feeling of like a hand holding me or, or a hug or really having a, a inside joke moment versus a meme. And so I think about those elements of humanity that will stand the test of time. And those are things in which I hope that marketers get to. That may sound so mushy and sentimental, but we also have to really think about how those moments also inspire consideration of things, how they circle back and intertwine to values. Those things really do take a play. And of course, supporting your bottom line is an agenda item, (laughs) but we also have to recognize how individuals even get to those places first. Hmm. So with that approach sort of filter lens, how does that impact your decisions when you're choosing what influencers to work with. Absolutely. There's a certain element of consciousness that I look for. And I'm not talking about like spiritual consciousness, but you know, are you, are you conscious of the way in which the content that you're putting out affects your audience? And in what way? It's not to say that you can't test and learn something, but I do believe in the value of trusted audience. And, you know, when I went into being active on Instagram, it was always about creating a community that was built on similar values. And when I started owning that more, my content reflected that. It wasn't just about, okay, I work in wine, so therefore I'm going to give you the tasting notes of this wine. Best of luck. Like, (laughs) hey, the wine industry actually isn't that inclusive all the time, but it shouldn't exclude you from opening something up, whether it's, you know, an entry-level bottle or something that you've been super intimidated by and you want to ask questions. And so I look for that element of consciousness to say, hey, if I am going to partner with this brand, what is the why? And how is it not only just going to put money in my pocket, but also help my audience learn something, be inspired by something, provide them an opportunity to try something that may be you know, they wouldn't have had otherwise. So that is super important to me. Also having someone, and maybe this is coming from my storytelling cap, but having someone who knows their story and can tell it through and through and not just fit the mold of key messages, if that makes sense. End of the day, 
I know that oftentimes content creators will operate from an editorial calendar approach. And yes, if you're going to celebrate National Wear a Plaid Blazer Day, great. <laughs> but, but what is that? Um, what is that story about this particular thing now that's on your shoulders? How can that be at the forefront versus kind of the product first approach? And I look for someone who has their own personal values. And I know that oftentimes it's like, well, how do you do that if you're just scrolling through? But the thing that I think really helped start the engagement of of me being on the podcast was like IRL and URL. Obviously in real life means something very different right now. We're not able to meet for coffee as easily as we once could, but I'm able to assess and understand this individual, then let's have this conversation. Like, okay, I understand who Ksenia is on Instagram. And that is also made up of several assumptions. But can you tell me a little bit about who you are, not on the phone, but right here? And let's just see, hey, is this laddering up to the values that this brand has? Because that gives me a nice authenticity check. And and I'm able to think and make a better decision in terms of if I'd like to partner with you in a larger capacity. Yeah, I totally hear that. And I think it also points to longer term partnerships. When those values are aligned, it's natural for a brand and content creator to want to create a long term commitment from both ends, whether that's a podcast sponsorship or, you know, a series of Instagram posts and blog posts or events. Who knows? So many formats possible. TikTok. Has that been your experience too? That on the influencer marketing side of things, you're drawn to create longer term, you know, deeper partnerships than just one-offs. Let's try it all out. Yes. So the thing that's coming immediately in my mind is looking at this from a marketing side, particularly there's often this funnel. The funnel represents, you know, if awareness is your goal, then maybe casting a wider net because this message, this thing has never been in the ether before. So perhaps we need 80 partners across the United States. And maybe that that deliverable set looks like, okay, it's one to two posts because the product is available in this time. We have to use that strategy. If it's conversion, which is the mid part of the funnel, then, hey, we're looking for actually now this message and story to be repeated over time, authentically so, over a longer form of time, and, and maybe there's a little bit more integration. Like you said, okay, great. They're Instagram posts, but would love your also full experience and maybe click back to the product in a blog. Or, you know, we are having some owned content now in our CRM email marketing tool. Could we use that to fortify this message? So that way it's, it's being kind of placed in front of the eyes of our target. When it comes to advocacy, absolutely long-term in it. You know, we're year one, very excited to look on year two now because we're also able to assess how that message, not only for your platform, but for ours as well, how is our audience responding? And we see that this is a mutual beneficial relationship. Then let's continue and maybe let's think about what we can do to plus this up now. Similar to a relationship. (laughs) And I like to take those cues and understand, hey, you know, if it's working for the both of us and we're aligned, not only in the content portion of it, right? Like I'm not just giving you that, but you feel good about doing this. You're excited to share this story in one way or another. That's the approach in terms of the longer term that, that we would take. 
Now, I love how you laid it out. And I hope that all influencer marketing managers on the planet have access to that kind of thinking and structure because it is very helpful. And it actually gives me on the influencer side of things, a new perspective of understanding it. yet goals can be different and that will determine the deliverables and the rest and the scope. I'm curious when you are choosing to work with influencers, you know, how much do values play into that? the quality of their content and storytelling and how much is metrics and how has the rise of the micro influencer changed things or not changed them at all? Yeah. I think for me, it's interesting because I still wrestle sometimes being like, I am an influencer, but I've always been a micro influencer if we really want to get technical with it. And I have almost used myself as a case study in some ways you know, I see brand X partnering and it's pretty obvious they want to partner with XYZ people because one, vanity metrics. Like I know they, they want 20K plus. I know that they probably have this home lifestyle aesthetic, but I have put my toe in the water and, you know, with a strong pitch, also speaking to, hey, this speaks to me because I am really sustainably minded when it comes to my purchases in my home. Or I actually would love to see more Black creators on this platform because there are are several of us who contribute to, you know, the sale of your product. And, And I really at the forefront position that. And that's for me is always putting value first in front of those brands. And perhaps it's an ego-driven thing to say, well, yeah, if they can do it, I can do it just the same. But I would say that's my POV on that. On the brand side of things, content aesthetic and look is very important, especially if we're going to integrate the influencers content across several platforms. I think it also goes back, I know I shared kind of the funnel approach, but I also think that you have to look at full brand goals too. And sometimes, you know, I've been on agency side and now being in-house, it has really opened up my aperture. But oftentimes on the agency side, you know that, hey, I have one POV oftentimes and I just know I have to get these seven Instagram posts and the product needs to be in the center and that's what the client wants. But now being on the brand side, it's been really lovely to see that, hey, actually our customer retention marketing team has been putting a lot of product first images, but wants to start speaking a little bit. Maybe one issue, email issue is about the brand values and who better to speak to that than the faces in which we have now put on our social media platforms on Instagram. So I think you also have to look holistically at at what the whole entire brand is doing. And I would encourage influencers too, to, you know, not just say, okay, well, if I'm taking a photo, where are you going to be using this? But like, why are you going to be putting paid media dollars behind this? Okay, then that might change the way in which I approach this. If your email newsletter of 40,000 subscribers are also going to see this, great. I can utilize those metrics, quantitative metrics, but from a qualitative perspective, what is the why? And maybe how can I continue to showcase my value as a partner? So I think as much as brands oftentimes are in the driver's seat in a lot of ways because they have insights and, and, and numbers and goals to hit. I would encourage and empower content creators and influencers to do the same, but not only from a numerical standpoint. Maybe think quality first and value first. That is so brilliant. And I do want to loop back to what you were saying from 
you know, because that was one of my questions in the back of my mind. I'm assuming that along the way, you've had many opportunities to step into the role of influencer yourself and you have, but you never chose that to be your main thing. Mm-hmm. So if you want to speak to that, we can speak to that. But I'm also curious, you know, you mentioned reaching out to brands that are aligned with your values of sustainability and saying, you know, as a Black creator, I would love to speak to other people who would resonate with me and share, you know, how I use your brand. How how did that go? What did you learn from that? Um, I learned that oftentimes, though you may be ready to have the conversation, sometimes brands aren't. And I think particularly because we do know that there's a lot of internal restructure and work to be done that the answer might not come right away. So patience is key. But I also like to showcase without overwhelming to like, it, it could be as simple as like, we could do a trial in this way. And I would love to understand maybe the timing in which that you have. And I don't necessarily want to talk to you during Black History Month. I would like to talk to you outside of the <laughs> that uh, time of year where you automatically may try and reach out to a a large net of influencers who happen to be African-American, you know? So I think adding those thought provoking pulses and touches, they're likely thinking about it too. And sometimes it's about who's going to take that first initiative or leave. And oftentimes it might, it will be the influencer, but uh, peppering in those ideas. It's not to say the brand isn't also thinking of them, but more so that, Hey, I'm willing to take this opportunity and I'm looking forward to actually executing something to showcase that idea. Being proactive. Yeah. I've seen that be one of the most powerful business moves for sure. And I love that you're bringing that up. So I know we're at time here. You do have a job to go back to. And as we wrap up, is there anything Shanika that I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share? I think we touched on it briefly, but you know, we all are human. We all need grace in any way, shape, or form, whether that is performing on a digital space or scale. And then just being authentic in terms of what you need in the moment. I really love that you answered or started, excuse me, the podcast was saying, you know, in the morning, I kind of asked myself, like, what do I need now? And I think people who really put this output into phones and screens and individuals who some we may not have even met yet, just to also honor honor that same ask. Beautiful. Happy National Plaid Blazer Day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how do I submit that one? That's so funny. But I hope it's a great blazer day for you. Thank you so much, Anika. So wonderful. You just have such a calm, grounded, clear energy about you. And I'm so grateful we got to share it with, well, you got to share it with me and with my listeners too. Yes. So looking forward to continuing this engagement and thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for doing what you do and pioneering the space. This is just the beginning. I appreciate it. Have an awesome day. Bye-bye. Bye. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokeAndWired.com and say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now. <laughs>